In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. By now, you probably know about QAnon. If you listen to this show regularly, you know that the American conspiracy theory is spreading around the world, including into Canada. But maybe you still haven't wrestled with the real-world consequences of that. And I don't blame you because they are not pleasant to think about. Police in droves. Rideau Hall's wrought iron gate smashed by a truck. Police also say the man was armed. A source telling CBC News he had a long gun and brought a note with him. Though the Prime Minister and Governor General have residences nearby, officials say neither family was home overnight. Here's the thing, though. The man who broke onto the Rideau Hall grounds looking for Justin Trudeau isn't the only Canadian recently arrested for threatening politicians. There's at least a handful of others, especially in Quebec. And here's one other thing. A lot of these conspiracy theories come from QAnon, but not all of them come from the right wing. Authorities have arrested a woman suspected of sending a letter that contained the poison ricin to President Donald Trump. The package was screened and detected before it was delivered to the White House. Authorities say they arrested the woman as she tried to enter the United States from Canada at a border crossing in New York State. She was allegedly carrying a gun at the time of her arrest. U.S. prosecutors plan to bring charges against her. So what's going on in Canada and specifically in Quebec? There's not a ton of political unrest in our country right now. So what's driving these threats and even these attacks on elected leaders? And what's the cure if there is one? Because all signs point to this getting ugly fast. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Jonathan Montpetit is a journalist with CBC Montreal. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Jordan. My first question for you is, can you tell me um, about Philippe Coté? Uh, who is he and what did he do? Philippe Coté is uh, a 47-year-old trucker uh, who lives in the Quebec City area. And uh, in May, he placed a phone call to Premier Phil, uh, Francois Legault's riding office in L'Assomption, Quebec, he called the office around 10 o'clock at night. He left a message to the effect that he was unhappy with uh, Legault's handling of the of the pandemic. He regretted voting for Legault. And then he warned Legault that his days were numbered. Uh, a few hours later, Cote called back. This time, he was uh, much angrier, uh, was upset, began swearing, and he uttered a series of death threats against the uh, province's public health director, Horacio Arruda. And among the, the the threats was that he intended to acquire a weapon uh, and shoot Arruda. Where did uh, he get the idea that the province was lying about COVID and all the rest of this stuff? 
So that's a really interesting question. So what we know uh, happened afterward is that um, following that message, uh, people who worked in Enlogo's office, they alerted the provincial police uh, and they were able to track Cote's uh, uh, location. He was apparently in, he was he was a trucker, so he was in the United States uh, on work reasons. He placed the phone call from quite near uh, a gun store. Uh, that alarmed authorities. And so they placed an alert on his on his truck. So we went, when he came back into Canada, border officials searched his truck and they didn't find any weapons, but they did find several pieces of paper on which were written conspiracy theories. And his lawyer told reporters when he made a court appearance later on that Cote was somebody who was kind of uh, quite distraught by the public health regulations and turned to the internet for answers. And so um, the kind of portrait that we have of him is somebody who who kind of went down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories uh, as he was trying to articulate his his anger and his uh, confusion over what the public health uh, rules were regarding truckers. So listen, if it was just Cote, we probably wouldn't be talking to you today. But how often is this happening in Quebec in, in particular? Because you compiled uh, quite a few reports and it was a little startling. Yeah, that's right. So we have at least four other people who have been arrested for making threats either uh, to Legault or Aruda or other public uh, figures. What stands out from these four are, are that their social media profiles, particularly their Facebook posts, all suggest that they uh, have been engaged in conspiracy thinking. Several of them have you know, expressed support for conspiracy theories related to QAnon. The, uh, the kind of wild conspiracy uh, movement, if you, I guess you could call it, uh, that originated in the United States and that believes uh, Donald Trump is fighting a war against a, de- a deep state, which is composed of um, a child, a secret child uh, sex trafficking ring. So that is kind of the the extreme end of, uh, of this conspiracy thinking. But we also know that... Uh, Quebec Provincial Police have interviewed uh, several other people who have uh, uttered threats and who also have engaged in conspiracy thinking. And in fact, Quebec Provincial Police indicated that they've, since the pandemic began, they've noticed a, a almost 400% increase in uh, online threats directed at politicians in the province. Do we have any idea um, how serious those threats are? And maybe just especially uh, the ones in which people were arrested? Um, so of the ones where people were arrested, so far, we don't really know how serious they are if people intended to carry out with violence. We do know from people who've studied the QAnon movement in the United States that uh, there, several people have been radicalized to the point of actually carrying out violence. Probably the, the best known example is uh, the Pizzagate scandal, where somebody went into a pizzeria believing it was a, uh, a secret lair for, for sex trafficking. Of course, it wasn't, uh, and discharged a weapon several times. So the, the concern, though, in Quebec is that um, the, the kind of online threats will potentially spill over into offline violence. And so um, while these individuals who've been arrested may not have been at that stage in the radicaliza- uh, radicalization, um, amongst experts, there is this concern that potentially this kind of behavior will lead to something much more violent. 
Where does the pandemic kind of enter into this? Because you touched on uh, a minute ago that the levels have been rising since COVID began. Um, is it is it cause and effect, or or what do we know about that? That's a uh, that's a tough question to answer with a, with any certainty. Well, we right. Well, we do know a lot of the experts I've spoken to, you know, point out well, you know, the pandemic is a is a time that you know all all of us are kind of affected by it equally. Where you know it, it's it's confusing. It's um, uh, you know, we're, we're doing things that are that are strange to us. You know, we're wearing masks, you know, that's stuff we never thought we would do, you know, just just a year ago. That kind of social environment, experts say, is, is often leads to conspiracy thinking. It has in the past and uh, we're seeing it again uh, at, at the uh, at the moment. I think what is particularly alarming, though, for uh, for experts is you have the pandemic, QAnon is this conspiracy movement I spoke about earlier. Obviously, it pre-exists the pandemic and its, its popularity pre-exists the pandemic. So once you kind of add a widespread conspiracy theory to uh, a social condition that, you know, lends itself to even more conspiracy thinking, you have the kind of um, a perfect storm, if you will, for explaining the the, the kind of rise in uh, in popularity of of this kind of thinking. And of course, for people who are searching for answers in this very confusing time, conspiracy thinking seems to provide very easy solutions, right? It, it, it's, it's black and white answers. Um, there are specific individuals who are to blame for the situation when, when the real answers can be much harder to digest. The science is evolving. Uh, what we're supposed to do or not do on any given day is, is, is changing. It's, it's in flux. And so in that, in that, in that kind of, in that context, conspiracy theories can be quite appealing for people who are uh, distraught and looking for answers. So it's funny that we're having this conversation today because uh, when we first reached out to book you for this show, um, I assumed we'd only be talking about the conspiracy theories that emanate uh, from the right wing. And, you know, that's where QAnon is associated. And and it all seemed like it kind of fit together. And then uh, over the weekend, a Quebec woman was arrested at the border, uh, allegedly having sent a letter containing the poison ricin uh, in an attempt to kill U.S. President Donald Trump. So this is, I mean, while, while QAnon itself might be a right-wing problem, the fact that people are getting these theories from the very fringes of the media landscape is, is a bigger problem than any one side of the spectrum. And I wonder if you have any idea um, of the scale of that in Quebec, of the level of public belief in conspiracy theories or mistrust uh, in the mainstream media who are providing uh, the complicated answers that you mentioned. We actually have a, you know, a pretty good handle on the extent to which conspiracy thinking has penetrated uh, Quebecer, the way Quebecers think about about the pandemic. And that's because we've had a couple of polls um, over the last few months, and they all kind of have reached similar conclusions that we're looking at somewhere around 20% of the population that believes uh, in some sort of conspiracy about about the pandemic. So that's a huge um, number. 
It's it's a fairly uh, sizable number, and and you know there was a political scientist who was marveling at it. You know, at twenty percent, you know that's that's uh, bigger than some political parties in the province. You know, what they get in, in, in elections. So, right. yeah, it's 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 a very sizable it's a very sizable uh, number. And what's interesting too is the age range. So this is not older people. This is this is younger people. Pe- people aged eighteen to fifty nine. The public health research institute in the province conducted a study that that found you know over 23 percent of people believe that the the virus was was manufactured in, in a lab which which of course isn't true but when they drilled down even further they found younger people were more inclined to believe this conspiracy theory and people who were out of work or had lost revenues people without university degrees were all part of that demographic that was more inclined to believe in, in, in this conspiracy theory I guess that speaks to what you were talking about earlier with the, the people who don't have answers for why things are happening to them. Exactly. These conspiracy theories really um, are, are really kind of, I don't want to say powerful, but what they're designed to do, I think, in a way is to channel people's anger. The rhetoric they use is that Quebec's leaders are criminals, uh, they need to be unseated, that this is a an, an egregious assault uh, on their liberties, you know, the, being required to wear masks in, in stores and on public transit is uh, akin to a dictatorship. Uh, and so it, I mean, when you're using language like that, you're, I mean, you're really, it's really an emotional appeal Um uh, that you're that you're making to people who don't like the changes that the pandemic has forced upon our society. When we're talking about conspiracy theories, and I guess uh, QAnon in particular, I think most of us consider it as something that emanates from America and spreads to to Canada to the rest of the world like that. But how much of this stuff that we're seeing in Quebec comes from? inside the province? Are they just consuming American conspiracies or are, are there some originating in Quebec? So here, I'll, I'll tell you about this, this, this figure in Quebec who I think is, is key to understanding how the QAnon conspiracy theory has made its way uh, into you know, you know, our, our, our so-called distinct society here. And so th- this is a figure who who's, uh, goes by the name uh, Alex uh, Alexis Cossette-Trudel, He's, he broadcasts under the name Radio Quebec. So this is his, his, his broadcast outfit, which is essentially just a, a Facebook page and a, and, a, and a YouTube channel. And he, you know, I would say is, is probably the leading figure who translates uh, QAnon uh, conspiracy theories into not only French, but into a, a Quebec cultural context. And he he's an interesting uh, figure in, in, in the sense that He's somebody who his parents were um, convicted FLQ terrorists. Really, so it's, it's, his parents were uh, were involved in the, in the kidnapping of James Cross. Uh, he was born while his parents were in exile. Um, and interestingly, uh, there was a, a recent profile uh, of him in Le Devoir newspaper, which mentioned that his father, again, convicted terrorist, wants nothing to do his, with his son, the conspiracy theorist, because he's worried that he gives the family a bad name. Wow. Now, Cosette Trudel is somebody who did a PhD in, in religious studies uh, for a while, was involved in the Parti Québécois politics for, for a brief time. Uh, and then about four or five years ago, uh, began to attach himself to the Quebec far right movement, 
got involved in the the kind of the far right media channels that that existed in Quebec. Um, and then in 2018, he starts his own uh, his own you know broadcast unit uh, from uh, from his home. This is what's called Radio Quebec. And he begins by being very pro-Trump, but but also kind of rehashing many of the the xenophobic, Islamophobic uh, rhetoric that you were here that you know commonly heard in, in the far right in Quebec. Um, and then the pandemic comes along. When the pandemic com- comes along, he has between twenty and thirty thousand YouTube followers. He now has more than 110,000 YouTube followers. So his his popularity has really taken off. Uh, he's interviewed on, you know, fairly mainstream radio stations in Quebec, uh, which kind of have added to his legitimacy, all the while spreading conspiracy theories about uh, the origins of the virus, you know, you know that it's that it's a manufactured crisis, that it uh, that it's not lethal. Uh, and so he's somebody who has kind of um, surged into the limelight uh, on on the pandemic and, and using these kind of conspiracy theories, which are which are quite dangerous. I hadn't even thought, I confess, about the need to translate uh, QAnon into French for a Quebec audience, but that's a that's a really good point. Can the police or government actually do anything about this before it becomes uh, like a serious threat to a politician or a public figure, um, or or is that kind of the only place they can step in? So I think what's interesting, if you look at uh, just just the arrests that I were able to track, and that's that's uh, you know five arrests in a, in a relatively short period of time between May uh, and early August, and so that I think shows to me that the the provincial police are taking this quite seriously. Um, I think there was a period of time where the internet was really a wild west where things you said on on your Facebook page, uh, no matter how extreme they were, would never invite a visit from police. But now we're seeing that the provincial police uh, certainly in some cases are, are are arresting people. In other cases, at least, you know, uh, interviewing, are going to interrogate uh, people who have made threatening comments online, presumably with the intention of, of verifying um, the, the potential for violence. So I think, you know, provincial police have clued into the fact that, um, that th- there, is, there is a danger here. And, I, and of course, the background in Quebec to this is uh, Alexandre Bissonnette, who is the, the man who committed the, the, the murder of six Muslims at a, at a Quebec City mosque. Right. Uh, he was somebody who, amongst the the wide variety of, of, of xenophobic and racist material that he was consuming in the weeks before he committed the massacre, he was exposing himself to conspiracy theories like uh, Alex Jones of Infowars. So we know, we kind of, we know in Quebec, uh, provincial police know the danger it can have. It doesn't take uh, a lot of people. It takes one person who's radicalized that point to create a tragedy. So I think we're seeing a, a fairly proactive response from provincial police. I was going to ask if you you had an idea when that changed, because as soon as you mentioned that that the police were starting to take it a lot more seriously, I thought about um, you know early July, uh, Corey Huron accused in the Rideau Hall attack of just uh, driving in there with his truck trying to get to Justin Trudeau, and maybe that kind of woke woke all Canadian authorities up to how real this could get. 
I think what's interesting, what's what's been interesting in Quebec, I think, is um, that that politicians have have over over the months have kind of started to sound the alarm repeatedly, perhaps because they're the ones who are who have been the target uh, of a lot of these threats. You know, it's it's politicians who have been. You know, calling for stricter measures or supportive of, of, of stricter measures, or you know, of course, in the, in the case of Premier Legault, implementing themselves. And so um, it, it, in, in Quebec, it kind of started with one or two uh, opposition politicians saying, hey, look, you know, there's, there's a lot of nasty stuff going on online. We're, we're being the, the victim of a lot of threats. And more and more politicians join their voice to 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 the to these concerns and in some cases sharing the threats that they've been receiving and on the first day of the of the national assembly the first day of the 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 fall session of of the provincial legislature here uh, a motion was tabled calling on uh, the national assembly and the Quebec government to take conspiracy theories seriously to recognize the danger they posed and that motion passed unanimously so i think there definitely has been in in, in Quebec um, a shift in the public discourse about conspiracy theories that this is not just uh, uh, you know people in tin tinfoil hats uh, spouting some weird stuff. If there is a, a a real potential for violence here, and as we've seen over the past months, not only in Quebec but you know as you mentioned the the Riedel Hall incident that. You know what happens? The activity that people engage in online rarely end there, that there can be a, a translation into offline, a real world uh, activity. And I think, th- I think really in Quebec, we're, we're, we're seeing a kind of realization that we need to pay attention to what people are saying, uh, on, whether on some Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter. That has real world impact. Last question. Were you surprised by the time you finished this story of the the scope of belief in conspiracy theories, how how nasty the threats can get, all of that stuff, or or is this you know what you had already assumed was happening? I was I was surprised. I I'll be honest, Jordan. Um, you know, I have monitored the the far right in Quebec for for several years. Uh, reported on them. The far right, you know, achieved a certain popularity, but was always very marginal. The extent to which conspiracy thinking uh, has now um, kind of gone beyond just that marginal element of the Quebec society is is quite surprising to me, and I think it's quite uh, alarming to to a lot of people in the province. And I think it, you know, it, it comes with a problem that you and I face. You know, a general distrust in media, which seems to be which seems to be spreading, and people are looking elsewhere for answers. And a lot of places looking for answers are. Engage in this very uh, pernicious, very dangerous mode of thinking, conspiracy thinking, and I, and I think I certainly haven't fully thought through the impact that has uh, on Canadian and Quebec democracy. And I think doing this story has kind of forced me to to kind of engage in, in a more profound reflection on uh, what the, what this means for our society, what this means for public discourse, and especially at a moment now when social cooperation, the, the need for so, social cooperation is so much higher if we're going to kind of get through the pandemic in one piece, so to speak. It's pretty frightening. And thank you so much for walking us through it today. My pleasure, Jordan. Jonathan Montpetit of CBC Montreal. That was the big story. For more, and yes, we've done several episodes on QAnon. It gets worse every time. 
Head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find them there. Find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. Talk to us, as always, at our email address, TheBigStoryPodcast at rci.rogers.com. If you like this podcast, and I hope you do if you made it this far, head to your podcast player, hit subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank you.